Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Grace People Podcast, where we explore grace in every corner of our community and beyond. I'm your host, Dan Lugo, recording in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, where in October we've already had significant snowfall. Thanks, 2020. You're the best. Follow Grace People Podcast on Instagram and YouTube for behind-the-scenes looks as well as exclusive bonus content. Now, today we're discussing houses and homes with someone who truly loves White Bear Lake, Joy Erickson of Edina Realty. We'll also speak with Grace Johnson from local Masters Institute Seminary about house churches. Without further ado, episode one of the Grace People Podcast. everybody on the hey. internet hi it's great to see you hi yeah so this is this is episode one for the grace people podcast the goal of this podcast is to see grace in every corner of our community cool that's the point yeah i like you said that with surprise because this is the first time you're hearing it so that's awesome. great that's why i'm here i like that mission <laughs> awesome that is the mission because that's the that's the vision statement for this church and the mission has been uh to be and make disciples of jesus but really like every church's mission should be to be and make disciples of jesus of course so yeah. mm-hmm. so it's kind of like if that's not your mission i'm not sure that's what kind of thing. church you are <laughs> like what else would you be doing um for any church is like what does that look like right and in conversations over the past year with pastor Darren and with Pastor Angie and leadership, um, just what has kind of developed and stirred in his heart is to see grace in every corner of our community, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. That um, is cool. Because we each, uh, as he would say, we each cover a different corner. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. so what's your corner? Mm-hmm. So that's what we're here to talk about. What's your corner today? <laughs> so Joy Erickson, uh, top ranked, I'm just going to, I don't even know if any of this is true, but I'm just going to say it anyway. <laughs> the top ranked Edina Realty sales superstar <laughs> uh, sold a billion houses last year. It's insane. No, just uh, a Maybe little not bit. A of that. Billion. She sold us our house, which is awesome, and we still love it. So yes, we're appreciative. Uh, so let's start with a little bit of just right now, uh, just what you're doing with Edina Realty. What I'm doing. Yeah. Well, the market's crazy out there, so we're just. Selling lots of houses. What what <laughs> makes for a crazy market? Well, there's a lot more um, lot more buyers than there is houses, and okay. so there's a lot of multiple offers and a lot of people waiting to buy houses and hmm. sellers that are um, sellers that have a lot of equity in their homes, okay. and so they have a lot of options of what to do. You know, to stay, to remodel, to mm-hmm. move, and um, interest rates are amazing. And so, uh, because people have a lot of options and because the interest rates are so good, and, you know, they're really able to put together some some good deals. That's awesome. And I'm trying to figure out how, like, how that cycle happens, because the last I heard anything about a housing market before I was actually buying a house was, like, 2008, of course, when, like, everything went to crap. That's when all, it was in the news all the time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It was the worst. (laughs) Um, What are some of the factors that contribute to a lot of people, like, young people and older people? looking for houses yeah i mean the interest rates being under three percent is a huge factor you know okay. so people can borrow money for so much less than they were able to before mm-hmm. um and then people you know since the 2008 kind of crash you know equities have been going up so there's it's a record number of people that have equity in their house uh-huh. and it's a record number of people who have their houses paid off you know mostly those people have oh, maybe okay. it's not their first house but so it's giving people more choices mm-hmm. you know more options of what to do and um and then also with covid you know a lot of people's needs have changed you know and they're not mm. able to go to valley fair or maybe participate in the sports that they want or whatever so they want to be in a different location Maybe they are working from home now, mm-hmm. or their kids are at home, and so they need and so more. so they need more places to be away from their kids. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they want, like, yeah. more yard space. Oh, that's a you lot know. more positive way to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Who has a toddler people? in the room? <laughs> I know. You have one. I know. Um, I mean, I have some clients that are like, oh, my husband talks so loud on his conference calls. Uh, You know, that he's on Zoom calls and I'm on Zoom calls and the kids are on theirs and, you know, like we all are hearing each other and it's all interrupting. And and so since they have the option, you know, sometimes people are moving to areas that are 
like farther out that have more land Mm -hmm. and have a little more room for them to maybe not hear each other as much and maybe they want a trampoline in the yard or a zip line or you know a blow up pool or whatever because they can't do a lot of things like going to Valley Fair or going to Mm -hmm. you know lots of places that aren't open or not you know able to be done with sporting events and stuff so so they're kind of trying to recreate you know, like how can we options. engage our family at home yes. if we can't engage elsewhere? Right. Like, what do we really want for our family? And I also think a lot of couples are at home talking to each other, you know, and they're home with each other more. And so they're actually able to communicate and say, what do we really want for our family? Hmm. You know? And yeah. so, like, what's the next step for us? You know, I have a client today that was talking to me about moving up to Park Rapids because that's where her family is. And she works mm-hmm. from home now. And she doesn't think she'll ever go back to the office. Like, they've told her, this is a permanent work-from-home job. Wow. And so she's like, well, why would I stay here? And she lives in Burnsville, but, mm-hmm. you know, why would I not go up to Park Rapids to be with my family? And, you know. Right. She's like a big kayaker, big biker. She's like, I, I can do all that right do all that there? from my yard, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, that's just interesting. I hadn't really thought of all of those, like the, the COVID-related work-from-home yeah angles but Mm -hmm. i could definitely see see how that would be the case even us you know just four people in a house right uh sometime for that three months or so where i was working from home and right uh my wife was also working from home and then it was it was like okay so we're yeah so it's like okay so now at the time we just had the one kid and now we have the two and it's but it was even then it was like okay so who's gonna be where because we have two bedrooms and a living room yep (laughs) and everything's attached so who's gonna be and you have to kind of plan it out yeah uh-huh. You said some really interesting things when we were looking for a home that uh, that kind of snapped me into reality as far as the amount of things that you want versus the amount of things that you'll probably get while staying within your budget. Right. So what would you, how would you speak to that? To anybody out there who's considering, like, looking, <laughs> what, what should realistically sort of a range be percentage-wise that you'd say, like, you know, if you can get this, you should probably be pretty happy? <laughs> well, I usually say you're looking for, like, 85% perfect. You know, so, you know, if you can get something that meets your needs and some of your wants, you know, that's kind of the main thing that you're looking for because, you know, 100% perfect probably either doesn't exist or it's not in your budget. So, I mean, not just you guys. I mean, this is normal for most people. And even if people's expectations go up and different types of houses, you know, they're, they're just, you know, their expectations are going up and their, their budget's going up. And they still always can't get it what they and want. And you still can't get it. Not everything. <laughs> can never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. <laughs> but better than they had before. So, like, yeah. as close to your new goals as possible. Like, I always try to keep people focused on what are your actual goals, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, what is, you know, your best chance of trying to accomplish those goals. Yeah. You know, because sometimes the goals are more important than just saying, like, oh, I want two bedrooms, I want four bathrooms, whatever. You know. It'd be more like, I want room for our family to have their individual spaces, or yep. I want room for the kids to play, mm-hmm. and you can't necessarily limit that to the types of rooms in a house. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes a house might have two bedrooms, but it has a sunroom and a den, or, you know. Or a giant with, basement. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think people always love stories. I love stories. Any, sure. What are, what are some of your favorite do you have any favorite real since you've come into this <laughs> some <laughs> any, of my uh, favorite stories yeah. the ones i can share no <laughs> that's always the challenging part right like of course i have stories <laughs> i'm still a good uh, well you you maintain contact with like do a everyone. lot of people yeah. yes without giving away confidentiality <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um i would say one of my favorite stories actually just happened last week and um one of my clients um, was moving to a rental and she was selling her house and she just didn't totally know where she wanted to go but she just felt like God didn't want her there anymore and that she was supposed to go somewhere else and one of her friends was really questioning her on it and and she just called her out on it and said why are you why are you questioning this and um, once she explained her reasoning, and I won't say what that was, but she explained her reasoning and her friend said, you know what, I don't think this is anything about you being someplace different. I think somebody else needs your house. 
and wow and it was just kind of like wow you know and um so we got multiple offers on her house when we sold it and we had five offers and the one that we chose when I was putting it together, I realized that they had also sent a letter, mm-hmm. but they hadn't copied me on it. They had only copied Kim on it, mm-hmm. my assistant, and um, and so I hadn't read it yet. And so I had to call the seller back and tell her what this letter said. And it was basically that these people were moving from Las Vegas, and they'd been looking in Vadness Heights for two years mm. because her brother was dying. Wow. And they wanted to help the sister-in-law be the caregiver. And her other brother just died last year of um, COPD, and the other brother died of, like, a fatal thing very quickly. And so she said, you can understand why we want to get closer to our family and why I need to help my family. And this house is only five blocks away, and we've been waiting for two years for this opportunity. And... (laughs) I mean, we both just started crying. Yeah. You know? So, oh like, you goodness. know, you're, you know, you're just like this little tiny piece in, you know, God's plan. But somehow, like, He used us to help it come together. So. Yeah, that's incredible. It's like, um, not like that, but in the same way, I see God working in housing, which I don't know. It's just like, really, really? But like he did say, Abraham, move to the place I'll show you. So I guess it's yeah. in the scriptures, right? Well, it's I mean, like, housing affects a lot of different parts of your life, you yeah, know? It definitely does. And when mm-hmm. we were looking, uh, so we lived in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, Melanie and I got married and then we were, uh, and she knew, we knew, um, when we were getting married that this opportunity here at community grace was where we were coming, yeah. but we didn't, we needed a place to stay, obviously. Yeah. Um, and we were planning on renting. Uh-huh. Uh, we weren't in a place to buy, so we were looking around, and we uh, found an apartment that was like, you know, maybe a half mile away from the church that had been vacant for like six months, yeah. and it was above, uh, it was above the the landlady, I guess, yeah. and she was just kind of waiting for like the right people to move mm-hmm. in and had plenty of people apply and just mm-hmm. wasn't taking them wasn't taking them and then mm-hmm. uh when we came up she's like yeah move on in and it was it was just no issue that it was, was it was like it was just being held for us yep mm-hmm. which is incredible mm-hmm. so when we that's kind of the um it's interesting that you brought that up because that's that's kind of what we're getting at in some ways in seeing grace in every corner of our community yep is like where do you see God moving. Where do you, where else have you seen like in your industry or with people you work with? Like where have you seen God moving either through you or around you in uh, unexpected ways? Um, I mean, I feel like sometimes I have, well, one story I'm thinking of since you like stories. I do. (laughs) Is I do have a client who actually felt like the house kind of got held for them too Mm -hmm. because they put a purchase agreement in on the night of a snowstorm and then it just went on through the weekend and the seller was like waiting and waiting to try to get multiple offers and just nobody wanted to leave their houses i think and (laughs) and they got it you know so that was pretty cool um yeah i mean i i just i just see that there's so many opportunities to be christ-like in the workplace and you know in whatever conversations that you have with people and um yeah i have a i have a situation that's just happened recently i'm all thinking of recent stories but um you know and she was coming from california in a bad situation and cal in uh silicon valley and it's just very you know people are just really hurting there she's single they're really on lockdown mm-hmm. and um they're actually getting charged a hundred dollar fine if they leave their home or their wow. homestead um and they're getting charged a misdemeanor for every offense if they go and visit a family member or, or a friend and so um and that's before all the fires started so she ended up finding white bear this summer just mm-hmm. while visiting family and decided to move here and um just i mean i can't share all the details but just every single thing along the way including like a lot of the personal property that the seller ended up leaving for her like kayaks and you know cookbooks and all sorts of things like it just all like every single thing felt like Hmm. god was in it and the the seller felt that way and the buyers felt that way too and Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, I can't yeah. share all the details, For but sure. it is yeah. really cool to see somebody, you know, getting closer to the, their family 
you know, moving here and still being able to work from home, you know? Yeah. So I do, I do feel like COVID has been a blessing to a lot of families in, you know, a lot of the discussions they've been able to have with each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've been able to feel like a blessing as I've been able to help, you know, guide people and make them feel like, you know what, you know, maybe this is where God wants you. Yeah. So, and then help them figure out how to do it. Which is a whole other thing. That's mm-hmm. the practical side. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. like that was like us. We were like, mm-hmm. okay, we want a house. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> Literally, Where do we just start? Like, I have no idea what to even like pretend to start to do. Right. And you guys are just so helpful. And just, sometimes you just got to start, though. Yeah, just start. you know, and like, start well, asking just, questions. Let's just start asking and start going look at things. Where do you think your budget is? And let's just go look at things. <laughs> and it was just so funny how some places were just the obvious lie. No. <laughs> And some places are like, oh, this is okay. And for one person to be like, this is cool. And the other person's like, no. No. And I'm like, oh, you can do better. Yeah, yeah. And just waiting for that, like, the the duel, especially when there's, you know, multiple yeah. people making uh-huh. the decision, just waiting for the duel, yes. Um, which I had an advantage because my wife was in Florida when I made arguments. <laughs> That's true. And had she been here, and would she it have been a yes? You. I don't know, but she trusted me and she really likes where we are now because, you know, it I takes feel like a while sometimes. It does. Mm-hmm. So, what for, for you and for what you've seen, because I love that you keep in touch with so many of your clients and mm-hmm. so many of them are just friends mm-hmm. um, or become friends. What makes a house a home? Like, when does that, how does that shift? What have you seen for, for people as you look through your huge, you know, Rolodex of... Yeah. Because it's the 1980s and we all have Rolodexes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, my yeah. file of facts is yes. in the car. No. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, what makes a house a home? I mean, I would say it's really different for everybody, but, you know, I think it's just that feeling of, like, this is where I'm supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, that relief when you get home you know and feeling like oh good i'm home (laughs) you know um and i know not everybody feels that way but Mm -hmm. i do think you know a house is someplace you live and home has a lot more emotions to it Mm -hmm. you know that's like where you're settled and comfortable and and you know with your family your friends Mm -hmm. yeah that's good that's really Mm -hmm. simple like a house i think is a way like a way to get to home you know i mean it's like Mm -hmm. the vehicle to get you there to be and sometimes people lose out on houses and then you know they're feeling really bad and feeling like oh you know i should have got that house i should have been higher or whatever Mm -hmm. and i just think you know what and i tell people all the time you know that wasn't where you're supposed to be you Mm -hmm. know that god has someplace else for you You know, and there's someplace else, you know, you won't know it for a while. Sometimes maybe it's the neighbor you meet or, you know, maybe it's the yard or, you know, something about the inside of the house that is better for your family. But there is some place for you to be. We Mm. just don't know where it is yet. How often, you know, would you say, have you had times where people have gone on and it just seems like they're still not there? You know, maybe they found something, but they're still like, "Ah, I'm just, this just isn't it for me. And, you know, percentage wise, how often would you say that people are unsatisfied rather than like, yeah, I'm glad I'm here and I did this. Mm. I'm not using this as a reflection of you as a realtor, no, <laughs> but yeah. just the reality of life not being perfect all the time. Right. You know, I don't feel like most people feel like it's a mistake. I mean, I, I do feel like, you know, sometimes people feel like it's a shorter phase of their life, mm-hmm. you know, than they intended. Like maybe they wanted to stay 10 years. And then something happens, like COVID or, you know, a job change or whatever. And, you know, they thought they would stay there longer. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I feel like most people, like, we go through so much questioning and so much, you know, goal, you know, talking about goals and everything that I feel like most people are pretty happy once they get there. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't always last as long as they thought, you know. Yeah. So, and you know what? Sometimes that's okay. You know, sometimes it's like you're being called to something else. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know that I could put a percentage on it, though. That yeah, would... and I think that's a good way to put it, because most people, I, when I think of people I know, I, I don't think I can think of anybody who thinks of their house purchase or where they moved to, like, this was a terrible choice, you know? Right, uh-huh. Um, but more of a, yeah, we outgrew it. Yeah. I'm going to totally switch gears. Okay. Switch gears. <laughs> Big gear shift. Um, White Bear Lake. Yeah. How long have you been here? You're, like, super involved in stuff. 
Like, your name shows up places. Um, I was walking down Clark Street, and I saw, like, a pot of flowers, like, <laughs> with you and Kim's names on it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I can't get away from Joy. So, like, just how long have you been here? How'd you fall in love with this area? Like, why are you so invested? Oh, well, I grew up in Grant, you know, which is not very far away, and went to Montevideo schools, grew up. Well, went to St. Andrews and wanted me to until I was five. And then my parents started church shopping. And the first place they came was here. And um, it kind of goes to show, like, I'm involved in the welcome ministry here. But it kind of goes to show, like, way back in the 70s, you know, the people that were on the welcome team then, they would call it something different. But they... They hooked us up. They, hmm. The first person that met my dad said, you know, talked to him and said, where did you, you know, grow up or whatever. And my dad told him he was a missionary kid in Bolivia. Hmm. And he goes, you know what, we have another guy about your age that was a missionary kid in Bolivia. He's like, do you know Stan Johnson? And my dad's like, yeah, we grew up together. That's crazy. Totally crazy. And so he's like, well, I think he's here right now. Let me go get him. And so he literally brought Stan Johnson over to my dad. It kind of gives me chills, actually, right now. Um, And I've been best friends with his daughter, who now lives in Colorado, like, ever since. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. But I was really liking, you know, the people I met and, um, you know, getting back into First Lutheran at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so anyway, so that was kind of my road back to First Lutheran, but then White Bear, you know, I've always been involved in White Bear, but like when I started in real estate in 2005, like probably the second month I was there, I started getting involved in the Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the other opportunities that I found out about around town and other needs have really been through the Chamber or through affiliates that I've met from them. Hmm. So, um, you know, like the pots, going back to that, you know, like when they were kind of, you know, when all the cities were kind of dealing with, what are we going to do with outside seating with COVID? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, White Bear was really one of the first who just said, you know what, we're going to waive permits. We're not going to, like, charge restaurants more money that they don't have Mm -hmm. to start these outdoor seating areas. And they, they, like, expedited the whole process for all the restaurants. But they really wanted to make it nice for people that are coming downtown. Yep. And um, they did it with Monomedi, too, so it was kind of a combined effort. But they, the pots were one of the things where they just asked different businesses, would you contribute, you know, so that we can kind of make this look on purpose and friendly, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, not just yeah. sterile COVID sitting in a parking lot, you know? That's, you know, it's when you sit, describe it like that, it's like, yeah, I guess those had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Because I, it just, I didn't even think about it, like, because mm-hmm. they closed down, for those of you who didn't know, in downtown White Bear, they closed down uh, Clark Street yep. uh, between 3rd and 4th, and it was just picnic tables and seating mm-hmm. and walking area, which, well, like, well, the first time I saw that, I was like, this is brilliant. I know. This is awesome. I, I love know. this. I know. It was like, this this should stay like you know that kind of thought like why isn't this like this all the time um and even now just a lot more tables on the sidewalks and they've kind of shrunk the seating area but it's still there and i didn't even think like oh yeah these flower pots make it feel like it's on purpose but that is totally true yep well and then the the chamber worked with one of the companies to have all those picnic tables built so one company donated all the lumber another the rotary actually built them wow and then the chamber reached out to all sorts of different businesses to try to contribute on the pots and then some other business put all the pots all together and that's incredible somebody else is maintaining them i mean it's it's really a community effort so yeah um you know i mean i just have loved the small town feel of it with also things to do Mm -hmm. you know that you're not downtown st paul or minneapolis with um you know with as many options as downtown minneapolis but there's so much you can do in walking distance and Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just so friendly and you know i mean one time i this is an embarrassing story, but since we're sharing stories... Sure. Bring it on. <laughs> it's not that embarrassing, but I ran out of gas on Highway 61 in the winter, and I managed to get myself into the turn lane, and I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I was just totally out of gas on my way to church on a Sunday morning, and some guy tried to help me push the car, but it was, you know, it was like dead in the water with the amount of snow on the road. Wow. And, um, anyway, so here comes the white bear police 
and he has some sort of pushing mechanism on the front of his car, kind of a bumper, mm. pushes me into the Taco John's area, and then he gives me a ride, and I get to sit in the front seat <laughs> for the gas station. <laughs> and then I go back, and he puts the gas in my gas tank, and then I drive away, you know, and just had a nice conversation mm. with him, and I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, police get a bad name sometimes, but I don't think they're all like that, and... You know, like, my only experience with a white bear police officer was very nice. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So they haven't caught up with you yet, as well. No. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've got her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I like I like volunteering for things and, you know, like Manitou Days and Market mm-hmm. Fest in the summer and barely open in the winter and... I think it's I think it's a nice sense of community that people can come together and mm-hmm. people from all over can visit and I agree. Every time I'm every time almost every time I'm downtown, especially when it's around like meal times, I yeah. hear people chatting like, Oh, where should we go? Where who knows where's right. something to eat? Like you just know that they're not from around here. Right. And as often <laughs> as I can. I'm trying to like chime in to Hey, go in, here. Yeah, to Burger Bar or Washington Square or Bantai or wherever or of course Anchor, <laughs> uh, which I love and yeah. I'm there far too often um but just trying to get people to go because there's so many good things and and i've really appreciated you know and just recognize they've got the regrow white bear yeah. lake yep. uh the hashtag regrow wbl is yep. um a thing right now and even that parking lot for those who don't know behind uh, between third and fourth street where it's because yep. that's been one of the things like it's hard to get parking sometimes downtown mm-hmm. and they've, they've literally put up signs that are like customer parking only you know mm-hmm. if your employees park somewhere else mm-hmm. because we want people to get here yep. and be here um, so that's my encouragement to everyone mm-hmm. to go downtown, go mm-hmm. down, even if you thought it was hard to find or whatever. But like, I've, I've not had a problem finding parking right. yet, which has been great. And I think they're really handling like all the COVID precautions and stuff really well. Yes. Inside and out. I mean, I actually just had lunch at Washington Square today. And, you know, I mean, my, my friend that I was with was saying, you know, it seems really safe and really comfortable. And, you know, they're taking good precautions. And, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. So that sounds awesome. Um, we're just getting started with the Grace People podcast and seeing Grace in every corner of our community. And the best way to see it in every corner is to find different people from different different corners. Mm-hmm. And you interact with tons of people that I don't. Um, so who would you recommend? Uh, who would you say would be a good next, you know, mm. who, who else should be on the podcast and why? You don't have Ooh. to pick just one person. But I'd say not more than two. <laughs> oh my, that is a good question. Sarah from the Historical Society okay. would be awesome to interview. And I'm sure if you have time before the 50th anniversary, that'd be good publicity for them. Right. Um, are you talking about people from church or no, from, just all over from the place? anywhere in the community, even if they don't know much about Jesus, that's right. totally fine. Because yeah. I think uh, grace can be seen in a lot of different ways. Totally. Yep. Well, you know who I think is a really interesting person that would be good for the um, good for the podcast is Bill Fussard, who's the director or owner of Rudy's Red Eye Grill and the White Bear Country in there. Okay. And he was um, he was the what do you call it Boreas Rex for the White Bear Carnival, and he is Mister Ambassador for White Bear. Okay. So he's in charge of like White Bear events. Yep. And the White Bear Events website and stuff. But I had he no idea. is very, you know, he and he's really good about thanking every single person. If you volunteer in any committee that he's on, mm-hmm. like he's, I met him through the Manitou Days committee, and I mean, he just thanks everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank you for coming today, you know, and I think he thanks more people than the average person, like, even thinks of thanking. I mean, he mm-hmm. is very appreciative of the community, but really wants everybody to felt feel like they're appreciated great sounds so, like a good dude yeah he is. Sounds like he'll have a lot of things to say too yeah my hope is not only to you know we talk, want to talk about seeing grace in every corner of our community and there's two parts of that there's grace and there's our community right and uh i don't have visions of this being like a podcast that's like you know, listened to by everyone in the world. Um, Probably can, more local. If we can feature local people and totally. uh, bolster our community and help mm-hmm. regrow White Bear Lake mm-hmm. altogether, I would be super satisfied mm-hmm. uh, with that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for making thanks time. For me. 
Well, that was Joy Erickson from Edina Realty. If you or someone you know has housing needs, buying, selling, just questions, definitely reach out. She's amazing and she'd love to talk to you. You can reach her at joyerickson at edinarealty.com. The Grace People Podcast is sponsored by Community of Grace Lutheran Church. Community of Grace has been active in White Bear Lake since 1888. Join CGLC this month in the annual Community Diaper Drive, which has collected diapers for families in need in partnership with the White Bear Area Emergency Food Shelf for years now. Uh, Literally hundreds of thousands of diapers. You can drop size 4, 5, and 6 diapers, as well as pull-ups to Community of Grace through November 25th, when the drive will culminate at their annual Thanksgiving Eve service. Bring diapers, take pie. Who doesn't like pie? More information is available at gracepeople.church. Coming up next, we have Grace Johnson. We've had Grace and Joy. That's funny. Uh, Next week, we'll have Hope and Faith. Well, Grace is from Master's Institute Seminary in White Bear Lake. Grace is not only a wife and mother, she's also my friend. So we're going to jump right into our conversation on the church not being able to gather in the time of COVID, uh, flattened leadership, and what's a house church? But we're all asking the question right now, especially in um, in COVID tide, uh, which is the liturgical season we're in. Yes, exactly. It's on the calendar now. Yep. Uh, Like, okay. So if we can't do that, what? Yeah. What do we do? Oh, such a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've been wrestling with that question my whole life as a pastor's kid. Mm -hmm. I like. We were part of many different churches. Um, My dad who is the pastor of my two parents, um, really, I think, had a lot of interesting ideas with ch- about church and I think always thought differently in some ways um, and had house churches throughout our different experiences. Most recently he is now currently also still leading a house church. And he's tried to structure it in a little bit different ways, whereas a lot of house churches, just because it's a house church, doesn't mean that it's necessarily that different than a... Sunday morning gathering, it might have the exact same structure, you know, or cadence or liturgy of, like, we all come in, we say hi, oh, someone gathers us, oh, it's time to start. We start off with a song or two, then we go into maybe a couple announcements, then one person speaks, Mm -hmm. we close it with prayer. And that's kind of maybe have communion. Yeah, communion. The the traditional, uh, the fourfold liturgy that we gather. Uh, everybody comes. It's funny because two of them are just like show up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> Fourfold. Gather, uh, proclaim something with the word, something yes. with scripture. Yes. And it usually ends up being some sort of sermon. Yes. Um, somebody yes. talking. Exactly somebody talking. For yep. a long time. Uh, the breaking, breaking yep. bread, celebrating communion, uh, however they theologically interpret what's going on there. Yes. Right. And then the sending. And yeah. it just, it fits that pattern. It's good. But it often looks a lot just like the big church. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been interesting observing that and seeing, you know, kind of putting some pieces of the puzzle together as I've grown up. I always felt like something about this building space, something about the way we're doing what we're doing, though I love it, it in its place, in its, and I, I think that's part of it is what is its place? Where is its place? I don't know that it's every week. I don't feel now, I can say that more confidently now, I don't believe that the place for that type of gathering is supposed to be weekly and is supposed to be what people think of as the primary way that we gather, how we do life together, how we do family together. And especially in the Western culture when we're so busy, specifically American culture, when we're just so busy and we now need, you know, we need Twitter and we need things that limit us, limit our, you know, (laughs) we need an audio clip that's 30 seconds Mm -hmm. because we can't fit it in. Like there is, I mean, that's, that is just the reality of the culture we live in. So when we make something like that, that structure, those four elements, the primary way that we gather, but then we use that, um, that space to communicate, okay, but now go do these other things because we're not doing them here. Mm. You know, we're not doing this stuff here. We're not, we all know we're not, we're not dumb. We all know, like, we're all aware that this is not, Family. This isn't like what a family does when they gather. This is what a family does when they like are like, let's go to a concert. Let's mm-hmm. go do something special. Mm-hmm. Let's be inspired. Let's go do do something big. Go see a you know. Go to a museum. Go. Um, that's you know that would be the metaphor kind of for to me what that Sunday ga- Sunday gathering is. But when we use that space to say, 
okay, now go create the thing that we're not creating here. Go do that in your own time. In our culture that's so busy, it's really, really hard for people to grab a hold of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that there has been a contradictory message, like just this, I am a preacher and I have preached many times about, you know, we all have the Holy Spirit. We all have access to the same Jesus and, you know, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you and you can do this stuff. Um, but when I never get out of the way to really believe that somebody else, show them that I believe that somebody else can do this stuff, I just tell them to do it, but I don't move out of the way and be like, do it, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a contradictory message. Um, and, and even just the missional movements that have been happening for a long time now, there's been a huge variety for many years, few, a few decades now of different, different things, very progressive things, I would say, you know, people canceling Sunday services, which is unusual. Maybe there's people out there that don't even know that's something that people have been trying. Um, they use the word can't, you know, some people use the word cancel, but what they really mean is um, don't just call this church. Don't just call this gathering church when it's in the building. Also call the gathering of you and your neighbor's church on a Sunday when you are adding meaning to it and you're having some intentionality. And those things are are pretty risky, are pretty crazy. You know, a lot of people have been trying those things. Um, the church I worked at down in Phoenix was a was a was one of those churches. They were really, they were a church plant from a large mega church, and they really wanted to start doing missional communities, which are groups that kind of focus on something like bowling or, you know, something, something that, like, we all like to do ballroom dancing. We actually had a missional community that was ballroom dancing, and they just nice. gathered on Friday nights, and that is... It makes a lot of sense that that's a lot easier to invite a coworker to mm-hmm. than a Sunday morning service where it's like, I have no clue what's going on here. I don't know this liturgy. I don't know this gathering, sending, you know, rhythm, whatever's going on here. Um, and I think that's really revolutionary for the church to start thinking about mission as beyond just a soup kitchen or beyond just like service projects. Yeah. Now like, in a large church, uh, and I would consider us in the large church category, community of grace, uh, about Pre-COVID, you know, we have yeah. to PC. Yeah, you know, yeah. Pre-COVID, yeah, yeah. So uh, true. Worshiping about five hundred weekly. <laughs> um, the the thought in a church this size is like there are social groups, and right. you might do that. You yeah. might go ballroom dancing yeah. on Friday night, and you okay. can invite your coworkers. But there's still the there's still the, the gathering Sunday point. totally gathering. So that's been a thing, exactly. Where we've we've created this other alternative way of thinking about mission, and I think that's been a really beneficial thing for the church that we aren't just like mission is when you literally either travel to another country and paint a building or build a building or hug some orphans for a while, not to reduce that. I have done all those things <laughs> and I love them all. But, you know, to start helping us think differently about mission. Mission is also just being present in your workplace, learning how to bring Je- join Jesus, who's already there, um, seeing what he's doing, start start risking some of the things you say verbal you use with your mouth, you know, the, the conversations you have, helping guide those things and seeing all of that as mission. Mm-hmm. I think that's been really important for the church. But the disconnect I've been feeling lately, um, especially during COVID, has been this disconnect between kind of the segregation of the gathering point and this mission stuff. Like it's always been segregated. Mm-hmm. That's things people people have talked about that plenty. Um, but I think the reason it's been segregated is because of the way we structure Sunday mornings. And this has been a revelation for me recently is that when we say from the pulpit, you know, join these missional communities or, you know, church starts when the service ends, you know, those types of things Mm. are really powerful, very true things. Like, yes, church, I believe is happening while churches, while the gather the service is happening. But I think church, it's true. Church does start when, um, when the service ends, meaning you're still with your fellow believers in the world doing your stuff. Your life is like well beyond the Sunday morning thing. Um, those things are true and important, but when we only say something from the pulpit to motivate our people to do something else besides Sunday morning, um, we I think we're perpetuating that segregation, and I think that there's a better way to do it. I think that there's a way that we can have a rhythm that still allows for that large group Inspiration, that museum visit, or that museums aren't that inspiring to most people, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying that. Yeah. Maybe I'm a not musical. like a big museum person. Yeah, yeah. musical, Broadway, Hamilton. Musical. There we go. Yeah, That's what I needed. That's a better metaphor. Yeah. 
that's the Hamilton experience. Like, you don't go to Hamilton every week. Mm-hmm. You don't go to a musical every week. You do it once a month if you're lucky, if you're a lucky person. Right. Um, I, I would love to. I would hope that people could go more than even once a month. But it's a lesser rhythm than how often you have family dinner. And that's that, I think, is what is disconnecting us from our home life when we when we have this like powerful big everything's produ- overproduced produced and overproduced sometimes in some churches underproduced like yeah. <laughs> you know sunday gathering where we have the best of the best that we can offer you we have the best person in this their giftings are the highest that we have that we know of mm-hmm. we have hired them um in in this specific gift you know they're the best musicians the best whatever it is um and i know churches are are full of people that are in love with Jesus and want to look at the heart and character of people. So I'm not saying churches that, that, that gather in this way are not focused on people's hearts who are leading. I believe almost everyone I know currently, my pastor friends, my worship leader friends, including you, have beautiful hearts and are also gifted. So I think that a lot of people really want to put, put in front of people, people who are representing Jesus well, who actually like love, you know, love the community, want to grow themselves, want to grow with Jesus, but also have like really, really specific gifts. And if that's all we're putting in front of people every week, it's, it's not, should be surprising to us that people conclude, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't exegete scripture. I need someone else to do it. I honestly kind of believe that we have kind of reverted to pre-reformation where we we had this go, mainstream. Go, no, you go for it. All I'm, right. gonna, I'm probably gonna be right there with all you. All right, like where we we have put back on the robes. You know, Luther's like, all right, the priesthood of all believers. You know, whoa, this is crazy. I just realized scripture should be in the hands of every person. Mm-hmm. Everybody should be able to read this. Everybody should be able to interpret. The priest should not be the only one who gives a homily. Who who. The homily should not be the only place that people are understanding and interpreting scripture. Um, you know, everything, all of the above, everything he's saying during the Reform- Re- Reformation. And I believe the way we have so focused on having a few people do almost all the work, almost all the stuff on Sunday mornings. You know, there's plenty of people volunteering on other for other things. But for the most part, a few people, a handful of people doing most of the work on Sunday mornings I think looks a lot like pre-Reformation and what Luther was trying to oppose. And we're not trying to do that. Nobody that I know, including myself, would ever get up and preach and be like, only I can interpret this for you. And, you know, don't read your Bibles. Like we're all saying, read your Bibles. Here's a Bible study, blah, blah, you know. But when we don't, we don't communicate by showing, by demonstration that somebody can actually, (laughs) who doesn't have credentials, who doesn't have an MDiv, who doesn't have, um, hasn't taken vows, you know, hasn't done all this stuff, can get up and share from the word. We're actually opposing scripture. We're, we're opposing the model that was given for us, which, hmm. depending on your theology, you can decide, well, just because that was an example doesn't mean that it's a command. Right. Is you the know? scripture prescriptive right. or is it descriptive? Right. Like, I understand that. Um, but I think there's a good argument to be made that this is what it will look like when the Holy Spirit is active. Like, if you read through Acts, which I encourage every believer right now during COVID to re-read Acts or read it for the first time from start to finish, it is a powerful picture of what church looks like when the Holy Spirit is being entrusted to all people, poured out on all people. Um, You know, everything is shared. Everything is, nothing is mine. Everything is each other's. And and if you don't have a sermon on a Sunday morning, it's you really not church. Service. You don't have service. Yeah, it's a worship service. Oh, I went to a worship service on a Sunday night at a church. It was an hour-long worship. How is that not church? You're literally worshiping God the entire mm-hmm. time, from start to finish. Yeah. You are your attention is up here on on God. While you're listening to a sermon, it may or may not be. You know, yeah, <laughs> you're right, sitting here just right. like, well, I don't know what you're thinking. I have no idea. Yeah, you know, and that uh, I would think that comes out of the evangelical movement yeah. focus on the scripture, which isn't a yeah. bad thing. No, it's not uh, a bad thing. But maybe not everything. Yeah. Maybe not every <laughs> time. And I think we should just take this opportunity to look at why do we do this stuff? Like, what is it that, what are we accomplishing when we do these elements? Um, and when we do them so specifically, when we do it for 20 to 40 minutes, when we do 
when we do it every week, when we do it with just these few people doing it over and over, or, you know, we rotate in different people sometimes, and that's great. Um, but 90% of your congregation is not being used on up front, yeah, obviously. That's you know, true. That's, that's the reality. Um, so what I'm seeing with this gap between what we do on Sundays and the missional movements is that when we don't empower people to practice sharing the gospel with fellow believers— and by sharing the gospel, I don't mean they're trying to obviously not evangelize each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we're assuming, okay, we, you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. But it's talking about the gospel, sharing how the gospel is fresh in your life, sharing what Jesus is doing in your life, which is what our microchurch has been practicing. If they're not doing that on a Sunday morning, how can we expect them to do that with their neighbors? You know, or yeah. where will the meaning come from? when they're with their neighbor and they're like, I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit wants me to say something. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that in years because I <laughs> I just watch on Sundays, you know? One of the things we do in our micro church is this Lectio Divina practice where we read from the Jesus Storybook Bible because we have a lot of little kids. Mm-hmm. We read a little story. Everyone, um, everyone, grown-ups and kids, gets a piece of paper and some markers and we just draw the picture of what we heard. And then we ask two questions. We have a, se- a second phase of drawing. Put yourself in this picture now. So you put yourself in the scripture story. So the storm story. Where are you? Are you like throwing water over the boat? Are you like screaming at the top of your lungs? Like, get me out of this boat. Um, are you just sleeping with Jesus? I mean, kids, it is amazing to see where they draw themselves. <laughs> like somebody's on the beach looking for shells during the storm, you know, and they're just like, oh, Jesus got it. That's what a kid said in one of our groups, you know. Um, the grownups, like what they're what they're seeing and, mm-hmm. and the variety of what people are, are hearing and seeing from God. And then the last question is, what is Jesus saying to you in this story for today? So like you actually imagine it, you... You picture his face. What is, you know, we close our eyes. We think, Jesus, where are you? What are you saying to me? Some people don't even see him in the story anymore. They see him in their room. They see him at school. You know, a kid said, I saw him with my this this kid who was trying to punch my friend. And he had his arm around the bully and his arm around me. And mm. he said, don't be afraid. And I really believe my nephew, who's six, who said that, was like, Jesus was there. He was there that day when that bully was chasing us. Like, mm. it, it completely reframed this memory for him. And when on a Sunday morning have you experienced that? Now when little Luke is in school, you know, he's going to act differently. Like, he he has something that he can take with him from his Sunday morning gathering that empowers him when he's out with his friends, when he's out with his teachers. I'm just seeing the power of shared leadership and how much that really does connect what's been missing, I think, between mission and what we do on Sundays Mm -hmm. and how much like when you get to, if we're telling people, go, go talk to your neighbors, you can do it. But we don't let them practice doing anything when they're with us or just very minimal what they can do. Um, It's amazing. It's amazing to see. One of the themes I hear you speaking is the, have you ever heard the, the medium is the message? Yes. That phrase, yes. Marshall McLuhan from yes. the 70s, that communication theory. Yeah. Um, that it's not what you say that, that what you're communicating. What you yeah. say isn't what you're communicating. Yeah. What you're doing totally. is actually what you're saying. So yeah. when we stand up on a Sunday and say, uh, as professionals, everyone exactly. can lead church, but all they see is the professionals leading church, what we're actually saying exactly. is Damn. we can lead church and you're showing up. Thank you for saying that so much more eloquently. That is seriously perfectly said i just got to sum up what I'm trying the to brilliance say. of your last no, you know, that's, 10 minutes <laughs> yeah wow yeah sorry it was you made it easy for me no that no. is a great very helpful very helpful summary how do you convince someone who yeah does not believe that this yeah. is better yeah 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 where do you start with that great person? question i'm kind of working on that i started this thing called the missional living lab and what's funny about it is i debated even having a website um, charging anything or making, I don't want it to be so formalized that people, it overwhelms people because I think what people hear when they hear me talk about this stuff is I have to plant a church. This is a church plant, Hmm. you know, which means I need a sign. I need a, I need like a team. I need like five trailer. Yeah. I need it. I need that box church. I need, you know, lights even if the, yeah i need some stuff i need some people who are super equipped to join me I, public speakers I, yeah. I need to be a public i speaker. need to suddenly change who i am and what i'm doing with my life and this is stressful i don't think i can commit to this yet but it sounds cool or even if they get kind of the shared leadership part they still feel this this burden of like 
I need to go door knocking and get people to recruit them into this thing that I'm starting. This because I've been through this missional living lab. I'm encouraging people and trying to support them to start a micro movement. Is kind of what I'm calling it. What many people have called it. But basically, it's just this is a small little movement that you can do safely during COVID, um, which also is confusing to people because clearly there's a big spectrum there. But mm-hmm. in Minnesota, winters are coming. That makes it more complicated. We're not going to be able to meet outside. So, But what I've said to um, people who who are just, I mean, they're natural leaders. They're people that you could easily think of in your in your congregation that are always leading, always, maybe they're even a retired pastor. You know, there's somebody who's mm-hmm. got... <clears throat> They've got some skills. Yeah, they've got leading some, people yeah. in some way. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be that person, but even those people, I, I am realizing, are having a hard time grasping because I think we have so convinced people that when we do something new, it has to be Americanized. Everything about it has to be it has to be successful, it has to be big, and for it to be successful, it has to be big. You know, <laughs> yeah. it has to be there has to be, there has to be something cool. Yeah, numerically uh, big. There has to be Something you can say that you're doing that's so special, and I genuinely want people. Yeah, a brand. There, we have to like, we have to have a thing that we're doing. That who's our who's our who's our people that we're we're focusing on? Who are the people? Like, what's our job? Our target market. Yeah, our target market. We're we're with the homeless. We're with this. We're which is okay. There's there's (laughs) groups that do that. There's micro churches that um, really want to choose a focus. For sure. I think that's there's nothing wrong about that, but discern that in a community. None of those things are what I'm talking about. This is seriously think about. I've said to these people, who is one family or one person that you have continued to be exposed to during COVID? It might literally just be your family members. That's okay. Start with that, where two or three are gathered. He is in your midst. Like, literally, start with your family. Four-person families, you are out. Yeah, sorry. Four is too much. Too Too many. (laughs) Yeah. No, but, like, at least two, you're good to go. Is there one other soul that you have continued to see? I mean, 99.9% of people during COVID have continued to see one person, you know? So, especially in their own household, but I believe even outside of your household, even if you are the most extreme um, in your desire to remain safe and you need to, there are still people, if, you, if you're, like, you're a vulnerable um, person in the vulnerable people group, there are still those people who, who it's like, well, this is my sister or this is my niece and I always see her I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of sharing germs with her sure. think about that person mm-hmm. invite them over for brunch on Sunday morning <laughs> you know like literally it's just, let's just wipe away everything else you're thinking of and and I mean you could start with that you don't have to have food but I think food really helps um, helps it feel more natural what what we've done in our micro church it's not like we don't have a website that we're like you know my dad's church is called family room church and I love that name but it's like living room church or whatever we are like Meets every Sunday at 10 o'clock. Like, this isn't that thing. This is this is the thing that you like doing and you do already. This is that. But you are going to add some meaning to this, and you are going to take a few risks in this that you will get to watch the Holy Spirit use you, use your group. And basically those risks are going to be exciting. Like, once you start doing them, you're going to be like, why didn't I do this more? It's really not that hard. Like, our microchurch doesn't have a website, but it's just a group text, much like you would do with some friends. Mm -hmm. When you're like, oh, hey, we're doing dinner. Oh, that's cool. Will you text me about that? Actually, I have a group text going. Why don't I just put you in the group? Put that person in the group. Like, they want to come. Okay, cool. We gather, we meet, and before we meet, I spend about my me or my sister-in-law, who's kind of co-leading this, we spend, like, maybe five minutes thinking about, hey, let's have Heather bring communion this week. Heather has never been asked in her life to bring communion ever from her normal church. She's been a missionary to Romania. She was, I think she lived there for seven years. She's worked with YWAM. Um, so mature Christian, very mature Christian, capable. very capable, you know, <laughs> just very wonderful, precious woman of God, two little boys. Her, her husband is Romanian. Um, she shared this beautiful baked bread she had made during COVID. I think I shared this with you, Dan, but she, she brought this bread. She has this mill. Her grandpa passed on to her dad, and, and now she has it. The kids were just enthralled with this whole story. She's telling about this mill and how it works, and um, she wanted to bring it, but it didn't work out. But they were still just so engaged. They're like, she's like, you get to turn it and you get to do this stuff, and it takes the wheat. She just was so tactile with everything she's doing. You know, it crushes this wheat so it just pulverizes it, which means it's totally tiny, like just in the tiniest little parts that you could never put it back together. And you just think, this we can't do anything with this now. 
but then you make it into bread and look, and she pulls out this beautiful loaf of bread. We can all smell it. It's warm. She's been, you know, a lot of people are baking a lot during COVID. She's, Mm -hmm. she's become this baker. So she's sharing this new thing she's been doing during COVID. I mean, the smell was amazing. It was this huge, it looked like a first century loaf, loaf of bread. It was like, this is sweet. And she breaks it up, you know, now this, that pulverized wheat, that crushed wheat has become new life that goes inside us, much like Jesus' body was crushed, annihilated. How could this ever become anything else? Now his spirit is entering our bodies and we are revived. We are, he is revived in us. Why would he let us do this? You know, she's sharing this whole beautiful gospel story. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I had done communion, which I've done hundreds of times in my life, I would have said the same things that I say. Right. You know, I would have given the little like which aren't spiel. bad things. Not but bad. They're just, but it's just my little like I. Yeah. It's it's routine for me because I've done it so much. I am the only MDiv in this group. I'm the only one who's worked as a pastor full time. Like I, you know, it's just interesting to watch the heathers of the world being given a voice and an opportunity and an authority to share and watch what the Holy Spirit does. Like this is something that I think is just interesting to me. Like there's so many, so many more ways that we could be using our gifts. And so we're not shutting down um, a a person who is very called to worship lead like you. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to be doing that less. I want you to be doing it more. I just want you to also be moving out of the way on a Sunday and empowering people to do, to be like, Alexa, play my lighthouse and have a (laughs) tiny little six year old say that. And just get so excited. All right. (laughs) Here it comes. (laughs) Hilarious. All right. See? There it is. See how easy that was? See how easy that was? Alexa's the best worship leader during COVID. Yeah. I'm just saying, you all have one in your house. (laughs) Alexa, thank you for your time. Please, please (laughs) shut off now. The robots are going to take over the world. They are. Wow. She's everywhere. Yeah. She's always watching. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Like Santa and Jesus. Like Santa and Jesus. Oh. Just thanks for letting me rant a little. Yeah. Um, That was great. You know, one of the questions I was going to ask, which I feel like I don't even need to ask anymore, was like, why? Why would somebody leave the comforts of their Sunday uh, every week routine for something unknown and foreign? The gospel has the opportunity to grow in a way that it never has in the traditional structure of church. And, and like, I have black neighbors behind me. Um, I have Hmong neighbors, Vietnamese neighbors. And um, my, my black neighbors behind me, he has his grandbabies with him a lot. And his little girls... I want them to come on a Sunday morning and just join us. And I think it's actually oddly more natural than you would think mm-hmm. than just like sitting through like all these components and you have to sit as a kid and, and listen to this long sermon and, you know, and the adults don't really do this. So they're like, what is this? It's all foreign. Um, yeah. But when we're just like doing this funny drawing and we're reading a story, we just draw a picture and we're, you know, yelling at the speaker, like what would Tia and, and Ava bring to our little house church? What would they yell at Alexa? Mm. You know, what would they... What would they say to that that woman? (laughs) (laughs) She who shall not be named. Yes, yes. Before they're even, you know, have a have a robust faith with Jesus. I think that they're on their way there. I don't really know where they're at, but even before they're there, they can share. They can contribute something, and that's the gospel. Like just honoring humanity, honoring the voices that you might not normally hear on a Sunday morning. I I do think, you know, in light of just the past few months specifically with George Floyd and, and just racism becoming, sadly, being realized um, in a much greater way than it has been. That's one thing, and there's a thousand others that um, that we're all feeling right now, just the struggles of, of humanity. And I think this structure really gives freedom for the gospel to move and for the Holy Spirit to show us what does it look like in this, you know, like he did when he first fell on on the diaspora that had gathered you know for pentecost it's like here's this language here's this language here's this language what what do you have to say to us about god you know you came from italy or you came from wherever you know Mm -hmm. that is i truly believe that is at the heart of what god wants to burst forth in each of us here's why i wanted you you to talk about this stuff is because i needed somebody who loves jesus and loves the church Oh, there yeah. are some people who love oh, Jesus you. but don't much care for his bride. True, true. And uh, you That's love cool. the church, and so you're not trying to just throw thank down you. the system and tear everything down. Yes. And just kick it around. Yes. You're, you're like honoring 
both, um, which I really appreciate. So if people want to hear more or find out more or connect with you, how do they do that? Missionallivinglab.com. That's probably the easiest way. There's a contact page. You can contact me through the website. I think my email is on the bottom of the page, too, and it's just grace at missionallivinglab.com. Cool. And I'm assuming this this would be anybody, even if they don't plan on starting anything or trying to. If they just have any questions about anything. Totally. If they just are interested in uh, praying as a mom. Yeah. Or whatever, man. Just whatever. I'm just, around. You're free. You're Make awesome. it happen. Love talking with Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the time. That was Grace Johnson with Masters Institute Seminary, and that was a lot of good stuff to chew on. Well, I don't know where you are with faith and spirituality, but knowing Jesus has changed my life for the better, and being part of a church family, uh, many through the years in many denominations, many different states, just being part of churches in general has been really good uh, for my spiritual walk, for my faith journey. If you're interested in checking out faith within a church community, hey, let's connect. Shoot me a message at dan at gracepeople.church or through any of our social media channels. Or if you're looking for something a little less traditional, email grace, grace at missionallivinglab.com. Once again, a big thank you to both of our guests, Joy Erickson and Grace Johnson, for showing us where grace can be found in every corner of our community. If you're interested in White Bear Lake, culture and faith, or just like my radio voice, follow, subscribe, rate and review, and tell a friend or four about the Grace People podcast. You can listen on Spotify, Overcast, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Instagram for behind-the-scenes looks and contests, and very soon on YouTube with extended interviews and exclusive content, including Grace leading us in a scripture reflection exercise. How cool is that? To you! Thank you for listening! Join us next time when we talk in depth about everyone's favorite bean, coffee. Until then, consider taking grace to your corner of our community because we could all use a little grace.